Have you ever wondered what it's like to hit your lowest low and try to rebuild yourself from there? How can you find success once you've lost it all or had it all and then lost it again? Well, today we're going to find out exactly how that goes by talking to the amazing entrepreneur Mia, and hopefully she'll be able to answer those questions. So everybody, let's go. If you've ever felt alone, misunderstood, or like your story didn't matter, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Pretty Sure, the podcast where we explore the fun in life's ups and downs. Join me, your host, in a mix of guests from friends to thought leaders, artists, entrepreneurs, and experts for some raw, unfiltered, and frankly, hilarious conversations. We'll chat about our struggles as millennials, the joys and pains of being single or in a relationship, life and biz lessons, and some inspiring takeaways too, because remember, no topic is ever off the table for us. Hi, I'm Sabrina, your new best friend, and every week you can expect kindness, support, and some tough love, because you'll be damn sure I'm going to be calling you out on your shit when you need it most. Pretty sure we're in for a wild ride, so saddle up and let's go! Welcome back to another episode of Pretty Sure Podcast. Today apparently is the Clubhouse Day because I am interviewing multiple of my friends from Clubhouse who have all incredible stories, and this one is no exception. Welcome back to another episode of Pretty Sure Podcast. I have to confess this is the second time I'm recording this because my dad just came in through the door with the most confused look ever and was like, what are you doing? So... Lost my train of thought, but like I was saying the first time, today seems to be the Clubhouse friend theme because I'm interviewing incredible people from Clubhouse that I've met and that I've connected and that I'm just obsessed with their stories. And Mia is no exception. I heard her story in a room and I was like, you have to come on the show because like you're so inspirational. Then I found out she had a podcast and I was like, that's it. You're coming on my show. We have to do a collab of some sort. So without further ado, I want to introduce you to Mia, and I don't want to pronounce her name correctly, Pietra Fasa. Oh my gosh, that was Is so good. Yeah. Was... Okay, cool. So <laughs> welcome, Mia. So Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I love that your dad popped in. Very authentic. <laughs> Real life here in COVID, COVID world. <laughs> Yeah, you know, when you're visiting your parents and you have to take over the office room, but you're all day on Clubhouse and doing stuff, yeah. they, they they sometimes get worried and they're like, are you alive? Like, are you still alive? They hear you, but they can't see you. So they wonder. Yeah, I totally, totally get yeah. it. But thank you so okay, much for having me. Oh my God, I'm so happy you're here. And I know you have an incredible story that you're about to tell us. But before we go into that, is your last name Italian or where is it from? Yes, it's Italian. My dad is 100% Italian. And my grandparents are 100% Italian, and it's very much a part of my, my family culture. But yeah, Piatra Fesa, but you said it so much more beautifully. <laughs> so thank you. Amazing. Yeah. Oh my God. Have you visited before? Like I have not yet been to Europe, actually. So Girl, actually, once COVID- it was my plan for 2020. I moved to Denver and I didn't get a car and I was like, why would I pay money for a car that's going to sit and I have payments and all of that? I'm going to use what money I have saved and I'm going to go travel because I'm 32. Like now's the time to do it. I don't have a boyfriend. I don't have roots. Like I'm, I don't have kids. Like all my friends with kids are like, oh, I wish I could travel more. And I'm just like, I have that 
freedom right now and I really want to do it. But obviously COVID had different plans for us all. So once COVID ends, it's my plan. And now with Clubhouse, like Susanna is like one of my closer friends now. We talk every day and she's in the UK. And so like – Well, you have to visit me in Paris if I'm still over there. Oh, my God. Yes, 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 yes. We're like going to do – you can do a Clubhouse tour. A Euro trip. A Clubhouse Euro trip for sure. Literally. Oh, my God. I'm obsessed. No, we're actually – like after we we finish this interview, I'm definitely sure we're going to keep in touch because I – your story is just amazing and I want you to tell it. So before we go into all the details, so Mia, what's like, what's your story in a nutshell? So I, in a nutshell, God, how big is this nut? (laughs) My story in a nutshell is I now, I guess I'll start with where I'm at now. I live in Denver, Colorado. I moved here right before COVID really with no big plan. Like I just needed a change. I've been a New Yorker my whole life. I grew up upstate. I lived in Manhattan for a while. Then I moved to Western New York near Buffalo and really had never been anywhere else. My brother lives out here and there was a lot going on with me at the time where I was like, I need to be close to my brother. I need to have family around me and I need a change. And so it was the healthiest thing that I probably could have done. I was around a lot of toxic people, around a lot of like really sad, sour memories that I felt stuck. I felt like I wasn't growing. And just kind of like I said before about Europe, like I don't have children. I don't have a boyfriend. I don't have anything like tying me down. So why not just start fresh? I do work for myself. I own a creative agency. I do visual brand identity and SEO, some web development as well. And so I can really work anywhere as long as there's Wi-Fi. (laughs) So I don't really know why it took me so long to move, but it was a big part of my journey through some mental health struggles that I've gone through just based off some experiences I've had with my family. I'm a child of divorce, abuse, lots of different issues going on in my early years that then kind of hindered me later on in life. And, you know, I've had moments where I've really worked my butt off because I didn't know what else like I could do. Like I knew I had to take care of myself. Depending on family and friends was really never like an option for me. One, it was something that was it almost like embarrassing to ask for help. I, I felt a lot of shame around it. But also like for some reason I always did really like believe in myself that I could do this or I could do better or I would see people and be like, I can do that. Like why aren't I doing this? And so I've just always really tried to work as hard as I can for nobody other than myself. And in some cases, it's worked out. In other cases, I've failed miserably. But I think that when I really look back on my life, I'm proud of myself because I am 32, which isn't young, but it's not old. And I look back at my 20s and I'm like, I've experienced so many things that people have yet to experience even at my age now. So yeah, I guess. First of all, I have to say you don't look 32. So <laughs> I'm being constantly surprised today by people and their ages. Thank and you. I'm like, how? Yeah. That's you. crazy. I just turned 32. So it's like, I'm still- Wait, when was your birthday? In February. Yeah. What day? The 13th. Oh my God. Yeah. One day before Valentine's Day. That's so cute. I know. It's a blessing and a curse sometimes, no matter how you look at it. But no, it's like, it's a good birthday. And it was on a weekend this year. It was kind of nice. So, but- yeah, I'm still getting used to saying out loud that I'm 32. <laughs> but yeah, no. 
drink your water I mean, get your sleep that's those are my beauty secrets honest to god like get your sleep sleep is like when i don't get sleep my skin everything just looks terrible so i'm feeling you on both ends and i have to say i'm failing on both yeah i mean ends. it happens ever, it happens ever since clubhouse man like i i don't I even know like what time it is yeah <laughs> i don't even know what time it is <laughs> I live through my phone like I'm constantly okay what time is it what do I have to do okay cool yeah I'm perfect I'm not missing out and I'm also like and oh late- this room is in an hour but like I don't know what hour it is like I don't know what time that room is I just know it's within the next hour so yeah 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 exactly yeah oh, it's crazy I have so many questions to ask you okay. first of all how did you get into starting your own creative agency? Like, was it something that you always wanted to do? Was it by accident? Like, how did that So it was definitely, well, I guess maybe it was by accident. So basically, I guess I'll just tell you like how I got into what I do. And that will just fold in if that's cool. Yeah, yeah. So basically, I went to school at a really small like private Catholic college, um, much like the high school I went to. And the degree I chose was not something that was favored very much by not only my family, but people around me. I went to school for graphic design and they're like, you're not going to go very far with that. Like, it's an artsy degree. Like, what are you thinking? Whatever. And I was doubted a lot. But I knew I was a creative person. I'm an Aquarius, which I've just recently learned is like a very (laughs) creative zodiac and makes sense, I guess. But I was good at it and I was learning how to code in college. And this was pre... So I went to school in 2007 and for graduation, like everybody got an iPhone. Like that was the first iPhone that came out. So Instagram was not a thing. Twitter was not a thing yet. Facebook was like the like gatehole for everybody like you update your status every day on Facebook you post your digital camera photos on Facebook like that was the whole social media that was the beginning of everything and so I got this internship in Manhattan with Ralph Lauren and I worked in their interactive creative department so I was not I tell people I used to work for Ralph Lauren and they think like oh fashion like so great I'm like no no I was like in a cubicle at a computer desk all day long updating like Japan and Australia's websites to make sure that they had like the right photos on their websites. Like that was my job as an intern. I would have a stack like huge, like a couple inches thick on my desk every morning and I was not getting paid like I was an intern and I was working like crazy hours. They had all sorts of like fashion events and promotional things that I really got this like great taste of like what a job could be in in that field and in media and I loved it and it was fun and it was fashion forward I like to say so it was something that like still like incorporated all of the I mean hello look at your background (laughs) all of the things that I enjoy and love like so much and but yeah I got to still be creative in a digital way Not to mention, this was right on the cusp of Twitter becoming a thing, Foursquare, where, like, I don't even know if people use Foursquare anymore, where you check in, like, at a restaurant or something, and then you get, like, a discount or whatever. But that was through Facebook. Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, so that was through Facebook. So they were like, we want people, every time they go into a Ralph Lauren store, we want them to use Foursquare. And, like, it's going to connect, like, all of our markets and blah, blah, blah. And so I learned so much at this job. At the end of the summer, I knew I could not afford to go back to school 
And because I was taking care of a good chunk of it by myself, just because of what I did choose to study, just like through my family and the people that were supporting me at the time. And I begged my supervisor to keep me as an intern. I I told her like point blank, I said, listen, I can't afford to go back to school. She's like, well, we can't hire you. You don't have a degree. And I said, I totally get it. But just please just keep me on as an intern for another six months and then I'll leave like peacefully. I promise. I just want this experience like on my resume because the amount of events and things that I was attending and the connections I was making, I knew was going to be worth it for me if I didn't ever go back to school. So two months go by and I ended up working so hard that they hired me and gave me a position and I had salary and it was like the greatest thing ever. And again, I didn't have a degree and I just, I proved myself. Like I worked really hard. Then I had kind of my world came crashing down with some stuff with my family. I lost my mother, my sister, like kind of all a boyfriend, like all of this stuff happened like within the same year and a half span. And I fell into this like horrifying depression where like one of the reasons my boyfriend at the time broke up with me was because he's like, I just don't know how to like help I don't know how to help you. I don't know how to like make you feel better. I don't know how to be there for you. I don't know how to help you take care of yourself and believe in yourself. Like look at everything you've already done and you just you don't want to help yourself. And so I bounced between his us living together and then my aunt and uncles who who actually helped raise my brother and I just because of some family stuff earlier on in life. And so I was at their house with their kids And I was so depressed that it was affecting their kids and they were wondering what was going on. And so then I had to leave there and I basically end up homeless where I had all my stuff packed in my car and then I was just bouncing between like friends' houses, showering at my gym. Like I remember like my phone and my gym membership I had to keep on so that it looked like, like appeared that I had this very normal life and that everything was fine. And again, this was right when like Instagram started and it was really cool to have Instagram and like share your photos. So I would take like really cool photos of myself or like fashion or even like reposting like stock photos just to keep up like an appearance. And that was kind of the way I was raised as well. It was just like my family, the way that everything operated was like always don't let anybody see you sweat. Don't let anyone see that there's a problem at home. And I was kind of conditioned that way, which I've now learned is super unhealthy and inauthentic, disingenuous and authentic and very toxic and damaging to yourself. And I I didn't know that. I just thought like if people see my weaknesses, they won't help me. They won't want to be there for me. They won't believe me because the level of trauma that I experienced between the ages of like 16 and 25 was more than enough for a lifetime. And even today I look back on it and I think like, gosh, it's been really nice that I've had some peace for the last couple of years because for so long, every year, every month, like something new would happen. I was just like, oh my God, like I kept getting like hit. And so this was a moment where I was so depressed that I had like a series of choices. I could reach out and validate myself 
through men and just like have sex with random people and have that be a place for me to sleep or I could escape through drugs or alcohol and none of those things have ever even been my style even when I was just normal and in college like drugs and drinking and reach hooking up with random guys like that's just not who I am and in those moments like I know that there are a lot of people when they're really low that they reach for comforts and medicators as it's called and I knew that the second I did that I would completely fail myself and I just kind of had to keep going and like I said I was really really depressed I was not okay like I would not move out of bed. I would go like stay at motels and just like pay for three days and just like sleep for three days, like really bad. And it got to the point where I was like, okay, what do I know how to do? How can I do it to get myself out of here? Because I can't bartend forever. I can't babysit forever. I can't like all these odd jobs that I was doing, right? Just to like stay afloat, get food in my stomach, whatever, pay for gas, pay for my phone. And I couldn't keep lying, like the lying to my friends of that like I was okay and pretending like I was fine and like showering at a gym and getting ready and then going out with my friends and pretending like everything was cool because I thought I deserved a night out. Like that was so messed up and so unhealthy and just like I wasn't lying. I was just living a very dishonest life, truly. And it was drowning me. And so I was like, okay, I know how to build a basic website that's not from 1995. And I know how to use social media. Like I've been sitting on my phone just like in my car in a Starbucks. Like I sit on my phone and I absorb all this social media. And I'm sure you've heard me in some rooms. I'm very statistic driven. Like I repeat statistics all the time because I just research this stuff and I read and read and read. And it's just like how I'm used to learning. And because like I said, like I didn't have an education, like a full education. So I I had to teach myself and I was spending like the last $50 I had, I would spend $20 on like a YouTube like service where I would like learn like a new coding language or something and just anything I could to get me like this much further, you know, just a little bit further. I end up building social media and websites and creating more of a presence for like my friends parents businesses so like my friends whose parents were attorneys or dentists or doctors or something I would go in and say your website needs to be more aesthetically pleasing and that will only get you so far I'm gonna rank some keywords for you and I was like as I was doing this I was teaching myself like how to go into code and like pull keywords and create backlinking and then building like a profitable Instagram and just more of like a social and online presence to the point where I was making enough money that I finally had enough for a deposit for this apartment that I found on Craigslist that this girl was subletting. I moved into the apartment. I had no heat, no water, nothing for a month because I couldn't afford anything other than the apartment. Had an air mattress. Like I think we've all done the air mattress life at some point. Like had an air mattress. And then, you know, a month goes by and I buy a bed. And then another month goes by and I buy a dresser. And then As time went on, I was able to actually build a life for myself. I stopped bartending. I stopped working part-time. I created this like business full-time and then ended up having to file an LLC just for tax purposes. I was making like that amount of money 
And ever since then, it's been a very like up and down ride, especially this past year with COVID. It's been a little bit tricky, but it's been my business now for six years. And I moved out of that apartment last year and it was like the craziest, like most bittersweet feeling because I was like, gosh, like I moved in here when I had absolutely nothing. Like I was like hiding money in water bottles under the seat in my car or like in this one like parking lot of this apartment building, like behind this like tree. I there was like this weird, I don't even know how to describe it, like a weird like divot in the ground, like a ditch in the ground. It was like hiding water bottles full of cash because I was afraid that someone's gonna jump me or like break into my car or whatever. And like somehow I made it and I figured it out and I think back on it all the time. I'm like, oh my God, like how did I do that? But yeah, Mm. I'm getting like choked up (laughs) thinking about it. But I, wow, I can't believe that. I mean, that's such a crazy story, but it's also amazing that you, you know, you got yourself out of it. You just decided to make something out of yourself and go all in. And honestly, kudos to you. Like sometimes I think like, I complain and I'm like, oh, my business is not running or like this and that. And then I, you know, listen to stories like that. And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing, Sabrina, with your life? (laughs) Yeah. You know, get your shit together. You just have to like really keep going. And unfortunately, I mean, it's mental health has been a constant, constant battle. And it's something that really it doesn't go away, you know. So summer of 2019, I really I had gone through a bad breakup. My business was kind of shifting. Like there's so many companies now and so many like media agencies that do what I do larger scale and faster. Whereas the way that I pitch myself is that it's much more of an intimate experience. Like, listen, you want something fixed? Like you call me, we talk about it. I fix it right there on the phone with you. You tell me if you like it, if you don't like it, and we move on. And I'm cheaper and all of that, but a lot of people, that's still too much work for people that are so busy. They prefer like a larger agency and I totally get it. So the competition was getting to me and then I felt like I was not doing well. I'm like, did I just throw this together just because I needed a job and like I couldn't handle being somebody's, like somebody else being my boss because I was so like depressed and like had my high and low days And so last summer, I just realized I was like, you know what, I got to do more than just like my regular therapy, you know. And so I found this retreat center that was very expensive to the point that I was like, okay, I'll sell my car. (laughs) And so I sold my car to go because I was like, I need help. Like I, I was suicidal at some points in my life. And that kept like resurfacing up and again. And I'm like, I'm not going to be able to be successful the way I want to and in business, in in personal relationships like friendships or, you know, relationships with men or my family. I'm not going to be successful with those things if I keep having these lows that are so low that I'm like, I don't want this life anymore, you know, and I was like, I need to do something to help myself. And that was literally my only option aside from like psychiatric center, which was not what I needed. I needed to like work through it on my own without medication and all the extra. And so it got to the point where I had to, in order to afford it, I sold my car, like the car that I lived in and bought for myself and all this stuff. Like it was a huge deal. I sell my car. I get like just under the amount that I need. I go, this place changed my life. (laughs) 
And as soon as I got home, I was like, okay, I have a month left on my lease. Am I going to stay here? Am I going to like make a change? And I called my brother and said, I'm moving to Denver. (laughs) And within a month, I packed up my life that I had had for six years, like said goodbye to whoever I needed and left this life behind me and all those memories. And I just came here to like start fresh and COVID kind of got in the way, but it's been really good for me learning more about myself being alone here and learning how to make new friends as like a newer me in a way, just because I'm so much healthier now. And like, I have such like a different mindset and a different like approach to myself and to others that like, because our our pain is so relevant and our profession is relevant to who we are. So like judging other people for how they've chosen those paths is not really any of your business. And it's not really something that you get to decide is okay or not. If that person's successful and they're doing that for themselves, then champion them and and be happy for them because that's what they found works for them. And if they're successful, then like, who cares if you're like a stripper on a pole or if you're, you know what I mean? Like, who cares? Like, just support one another. And that's why I do like Clubhouse too, is that we've all kind of learned how to like, just openly accept each other almost immediately to the point where it's like, okay, all these people in this room are valid and they all have their own valid experiences, mental health, relationships, jobs, wherever, whichever room you're in, whichever topic, everybody here has their own level of experience that they can bring to the table to create this space where we all feel uplifted and like what you're doing is good and okay. And like, you're on the right road. Like you're not going backwards, I promise you. And so Clubhouse has been great. Just being alone has kind of been great. I know COVID has sucked for a lot of people, but it's helped me a lot just accept more about myself and focus more on myself and my work and how how I want it to develop. And But yeah, I'm going on and on. But yeah. Oh my God. No, it's fascinating. And it's, it's kind of funny, not in like the funny of like, oh my God, you're a clown kind of way, but it's funny because in a lot of things that you say, like, I truly relate to that because same for me, like I didn't go through depression. I didn't go through all of those things, but I did go through like hard times. I went through like toxic relationships and all the things. And like that feeling that you had of like, I need to get out of here and like, go try something new. Mm -hmm. Like that's something that's been happening to me for the past year. Yeah. Like right when COVID hit, I was like, I need to move. I need to get out of Paris. Then COVID hit, you know, I couldn't move. And then it was like, do I still love Paris? Do I not? And then I come here, visit my parents. And now I've been stuck here for six months. And now I'm at the point where I'm like, I feel like I'm in limbo because I'm like in my parents' house, but I also have my apartment in Paris, but I don't want to live there. And I'm trying to like figure out where where it is that I want to go. Yeah. And so your story, I really relate to that because that's something that I want to do. And like you said, you know, try to make new friends with this new version of yourself with like this new invigorated person or this like, you know, you know what you like, you know what you want, you know what you kind of like won't stand for and all of the things. So 
I relate to that really hard and I will definitely ask you for, yeah. um, you know, no, it's, tough. <gasps> it's, it's, it's so tough because I created this like safe space for myself. Right. So like I moved into this apartment and I'm like, this is so great. Like my liquor store is across the street. My grocery store is a mile away. My one friend lives over here. My other friend lives here. I can walk back and forth to the bars. I can go to this restaurant if I want to. And it was like my comfort zone. And letting go of that and being like, I'm going to go move to a city where I don't know anybody. I don't know anyone out here when I moved, except for my brother who's younger. He's gay. He has a whole different circle of friends. Like, can't really introduce me to a guy to date. Like, you know what I mean? So it, it was like a very different like choice to be had. But I and I have no car. So like getting around has been a challenge. Like this was like one of the harder things that I've actually done because it was completely out of my comfort zone. But that I built that space for myself because I for so long, I felt unsafe and scared and unaware. And like I needed these comforts to make me feel better. And so being here, being alone, starting over, like I've realized that I don't need all these other things around me. I just like need to be okay with myself and then I'll figure it out. And it's been a long year for sure, but I'm slowly figuring it out. But I wish that I had made a little bit more of a leap sooner because mm -hmm. I don't think I would have like fallen so hard in 2019 to the point where like I really was like so, so not okay. But it again, like everything does kind of happen for a reason. There was a long time where I didn't believe that because I was like, there's no way all of this bad stuff can keep happening to me for a freaking reason. Like there's no way. Yeah. And but, you know, it it did. And now I'm here and I'm I'm working through it and figuring it out. And yeah, but I encourage you to just like take take a leap because honestly, you know what? Like the worst thing that can happen, you can always go back. Like you can always go back, especially if you don't have like roots or anything or kids or anywhere you have to be like you can always go back. And I keep telling myself that if this doesn't work. I can always go back. It wouldn't be the best thing for me to go back, but I could, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. We're like kindred spirits because same like me, I have nothing tying me down. Mm -hmm. I've been single for like the longest time. <laughs> I'm also like, great, COVID, you happened at the absolute worst time possible in my life yeah. because I'm finally okay. I'm finally working through shit. And now it's like, you still can't get a boyfriend. So I'm just like, <laughs> great. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's so sad. I feel like everybody is like, they feel like they're losing like a full like year and a half or like two years like I keep telling my family I'm like you can't ever yell at me again for being single at 32 or like not having kids because I just lost a year and a half of my life to this stupid pandemic so you are yeah, not allowed yeah. to ever make me feel guilty about this ever again <laughs> yeah and like you said you know it is a controversial thought but COVID kind of has saved a lot of people in terms of like it's made them look within and made them actually come to terms with like, okay, my life is not what I want it to be. How can I fix it? Do I need help? What do I need to do? Should I start a business and all of these things? So I think that point that you made was really interesting and really important. And also you made a point that was really interesting when you said, you know, nobody knew you were hiding it from them. Like what happened when you told them? Did people just come out and say like, oh, we knew we had an inkling or like how was that revealed? So you? what's funny is I didn't really tell a lot of people. 
So like I that was kind of part of my issue. Like when I say last summer, I mean like summer 2019 when like a lot of this was going on and I was like really sinking and just like so depressed. And like when I say suicidal, it was to the point where I was just like, I don't want this life. I don't want this life where like so many things have been taken from me and I've had to work so hard and I've had to do this and this and this like this sucks. How come I can't, my life can't be like that person or that person or that person or easier this way or easier that way. And, you know, I was whining in a lot of ways, but at the same time, I think I was just like fed up with, with like the cards I had been given. And I felt like I was working so hard and not just like running in place basically. And, you know, when you're running in place, right, you're losing weight, you're toning your legs, everything looks good, looks like you're doing a good job, but you're not really going anywhere. And I was able to like maintain my pace and maintain my stamina, but I wasn't moving forward. And that's like the best analogy I can come up with. But no, I didn't really tell a lot of people. And then when I was sinking, I had like a series of a couple of days where I didn't even charge my phone. I didn't answer emails, didn't answer texts, wasn't on socials, which was like a big deal for me. I usually post every single day, even if it's just like a view of my window or something like stupid, my cat or my dog or whatever. And like people started noticing. And I remember my brother had called me and like a couple, a handful of friends had been like, hey, like, is everything cool? You just didn't answer anybody because I just like, didn't I didn't care and I didn't feel like they could understand because nobody knew like not even my family knew my dad had gotten remarried and he had a very large wedding down in South Florida and it was black tie and so I was wearing a very expensive dress and I remember I drove my car to the airport and covered it with a tarp because all of my stuff was in it like my computer like everything Flew down, went to this big fancy wedding where, you know, you get your hair and your makeup done. I'm wearing this really nice dress. I left the airport to fly home to then like just stay in my car, like in the airport garage. And he had no idea. And when I was researching this retreat and had this series of bad days in 2019 and I told him all this, he's like, what? Like it blew his mind, blew my stepmom's mind. Like my family really like, they almost like did not believe me because I think I just, I pulled it off so well, which, you know, jury's still out whether or not I'm like a sociopath that I was able to like pull it off. They like lie about it. But like I said, like I was feeling a lot of shame, like lots of embarrassment to say anything. And what I've learned is like, I wasn't lying about it. I was living dishonestly, which are two different things like in the therapy world, which made me feel a lot better. But (laughs) yeah, like I was just living very dishonestly. I was not exposing the truth of what was going on in my life because I didn't want to ask for help. I didn't want to you know, feel shame or be embarrassed. And my friends, when I did really need help and need somebody at three in the morning to call them, they were the kinds of people that I then learned were like, oh, like, can I just talk to you tomorrow? Like I'm sleeping or whatever. And so they were toxic people. They weren't good people to have in my life. And those types of people, they're not going to be there for you then. They're not going to be the kind of people that notice when something's wrong, you know, 
And I did have friends that were like, what's going on? Like something's wrong here. Like what's up? Like I know you better than this. And they actually cared. Whereas the people that I thought I was closer to were the ones that kind of blew me off. And then I realized, okay, these people are never going to understand. This is why I never told them. This is why I never reached out to them before. This is why it was so easy to lie to them. And that was one of like the biggest like awakenings and also one of the reasons why it was so much easier for me to move away and just like say goodbye. And there is not a day that goes by that I don't miss those people. Like I literally, I think about it and I'm like, that's like a different lifetime. Like it feels almost like a dream. But with my family, I guess they are the people that really learned all of the truth. Like a lot of my friends really didn't learn everything. They just were like, oh, Mia's struggling. But I don't think they really knew like the extent. And just recently, even like with Clubhouse, I've started openly telling my story for the first time and being okay with being open. And on my podcast, that's why I started my podcast was just kind of have this outlet where like real stuff was going on in my life and I could talk about it. And so very small bits have come out because I only have like six episodes, but small bits of my life have come out where a few people have listened and been like, oh my gosh, I didn't know this. And I'm like, yeah, so it's a whole story, but don't worry about it. And, you know, I just choose not to like live in it, you know, but when I went to my therapy retreat, a big part of that was being okay with what's happened to me and not living in shame and not living dishonestly. So when I got out of there, I was like, I'm so ready to tell my story. And then it was COVID. And when I was meeting people, they were brand new people here in Colorado where I was like, I can't just like dump this story on brand new people. So it's been a really weird transition year for me because I'm ready to be honest about things when they happen Mm -hmm. and about my feelings and about like, hey, like I'm having a really triggering day. I can't come hang out or like rescheduling work stuff because I have therapy that I have to attend because I need it that day or something. You know, those are things that I'm getting a lot better at, but that are definitely still like transitional things. But yeah, to answer your question, my family... I think it it took like actual evidence, like me showing them and telling them like very, very intense details of what was going on in my life for them to actually believe that like I was living in my car. I like had no idea how to save myself. Like it took them a while. You could tell that they just did not believe me. And they're like, we had no idea. Like you came down, you went to the wedding, like everything was fine. I'm like, yeah. Like, what what was I going to do? Come down here and be a mess, like, on your wedding day? And so I think it was hard for my dad and my brother to hear that. But at the same time, I encouraged them by saying, like, it, it was so much deeper. Like, you wouldn't have been able to really help me. Like, I'm okay. I didn't create an addiction. I didn't create dependency on things or other people. I just had to figure out a way to take care of myself. And like, thank God I did basically. Which is also amazing that you didn't because like everything that you went through, you know, it wouldn't have been out of the question to like grab a bottle or like dive, like you said, into sex or like dive into like whatever. Mm -hmm. So that's uh, in itself. It's amazing that you were just like yeah. conscious enough to be like, that's not the way I want to do this. I right? think about that a lot. And I'm like, maybe I'm just like 
I've just always been that much of a goody two-shoes. I don't know. Maybe that like saved me there. But so many people have said that to me and like in therapy and stuff, they're like, really? Like you never did drug? I'm like, no, I, c- I couldn't tell you the difference between two different drugs. Like moving to Colorado and like marijuana being legal, like I'm still super naive to like what's what. I have no idea, like truly. And when it comes to drinking, like I've never been like a heavy drinker. And with men, like I'm such a monogamous that like, doing like serial dating and being codependent and like clinging to people it was just not it's just never been my style with guys so it, the all of these things too I saw as like additional problems and I was like I got enough problems and I just got to deal with these all of this other stuff it's gonna cause more issues for me so I'm just oh gonna God. deal with that you know but you're literally my hero because I wish that would have been my approach when I was dealing with oh. stuff. See, my approach used to be, I'm going to go away for the weekend. <laughs> so well, that's my approach like... now. <laughs> Say that. I buy a lot of plane tickets. When I'm sad, I buy plane tickets. That's like I do that. my whole thing. And I have no issue traveling alone. And I've done it a hundred times. And it doesn't make me feel better, but change of scenery makes you feel a little bit different. And it gets you over that hump to be able to then go home and walk into your house and say like, okay, we're going to start fresh from this experience and then you move on. But pretty much any breakup I've gone through, I I get out of town. (laughs) Like That's usually – Oh my god, same. Or I start a new hobby. I dated this guy once and like after that ended, I took up running. But like an unhealthy amount of running that like I almost tore a muscle. Oh, well, I mean that's not good. I was going to say running's really healthy but like (laughs) – don't push it's it. like you never thought I could do this well fuck him I'm gonna do it and I'm gonna run like two 10k races one back to back and yeah I mean I guess it could be worse right it could, it could be worse that's what I'm saying like I do think a lot of people have you know in the therapy world they call medicators and so they find things that comfort them and like I found out just through like testing and stuff that food is a medicator for me and sleep is a medicator for me. Like I would take like melatonin at like 3 p.m. so that I could fall asleep by 4.30 and just like sleep. And so and like uh-huh. pretend like things didn't exist, you know, and then you wake up and you you have to kind of check yourself and be like, oh, OK, yeah, that happened yesterday. And then you have to face the day or I would like go back to sleep like that became my escape. And then I started having like dreams about stuff. So then I would be like afraid to go to sleep and then I wouldn't sleep at all. And so I've definitely gone on these like ro- crazy roller coasters where then I realized like the one thing I can control in my life is my work. And so if I can like sit down and be like, this is so basic, like, yes, everybody's jobs have their complications, right? But if I can sit down and somebody says, I need this, this, and this, I'm like, okay, I can do this, this, and this. And it's very organized and strategic and it's easy to get done. And it's controlled. A lot of these apps and a lot of the digital space is controlled and it's endless and you can be creative with it, but there's a submission and there's a receival and that's it and it's over. Whereas relationships, friendships, family, all of that, those things are never controlled. You never know how they're going to end up. You don't know what the other person's going to say back to you. You don't know 
how they're going to respond to what you have to say or vice versa. Everything's very unpredictable that way. And with work, I was like, I can do this. Like I can control this. So I'm going to focus on this. And that was where like I had this much control in my life when the rest of it was going like apeshit. At least my job was like, okay, you know, and also that was like my survival. That was my key to surviving. And I was motivated by money, which I kind of hate when people say that, but when you are in a position where you have literally like nothing, it becomes everything. Like money becomes everything. And I don't think money can buy happiness, but I do know it makes shit a hell of a lot easier. (laughs) And the times that I've had no money, I've been able to figure it out, but it was never easy and it was constantly stressful. And then when I've, when I had money and I was doing well, like when I was living in New York, like that was great. Life is easy that way. I was able to afford things. I was able to fly back and forth to see my boyfriend or my parents or whatever. And then all my relationships started crashing down and the money meant nothing. So being motivated by money is very conditional to like how you need it, I guess. That makes sense. That's a really good point. Oh my God. Honestly, we haven't even began to scratch the surface of things that I want to know and that I want to ask you. So I'm going to put this out there and I'm going to say that you're going to have to come back for a second part where we focus it on like business relationships and like life in general and moving because I have adored this conversation and there's still a couple of questions that I want to ask you, but we could probably go on for like hours on end. And so I was talking so much. No. Oh my God. Please (laughs) do not apologize. It's amazing. So I'm going to use this episode as a focus of mental health, which is great because I think I'm going to release it for mental health week Yeah, because I I always do like a special and you're going to come back on. We're going to reschedule another one so that you can come on and talk about like business and other fun stuff because you have so much to tell and so many stories. So girl, literally have to come back on like you are coming back on. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you two questions. One is, do you feel like you're happy now with how your life is going? You know, I asked my question. myself this question a lot. I'm happy with who I am, but with the way that my life is going, no. Like I'll be I'll be totally frank. It's been hard. I'm still very lonely, which again has just been exacerbated by COVID, obviously, but work has been a struggle. It's it's been up and down and I question myself if I'm doing the right thing. Like I said before, I think was like am I just doing this because it was all I could do at the time and all I'm like capable of doing. And I'm still reaching for new things to do and new ways to like develop my business and develop myself and educate myself. And just relationally, like I'm in my 30s now. With women, it's really tough. You kind of have to want to have friends and not a lot of girls do at this point. They kind of have their circle and they have their people and they have their intimate relationships with boyfriends or husbands or whatever. And that's about all they can handle. And I totally get that. But I made the mistake of making the wrong friends for a long time. So I'm kind of starting over with friends. And when it comes to men, it's that's been really difficult too. Dating in Denver is, which I probably should have done more research, but it's like known. Like there are news articles about how dating in Denver is like, don't go to Denver if you're single. 
And well, like you I said, am. you can still move. You can still move. Okay. Yes. But, you know, and again, like, I think I really am like waiting for COVID to really decide like true changes mm-hmm. because I did kind of move here on a whim just to like get out and start fresh. And then COVID happened and I was like, well, I'm going to stay here. I'm not going to go move to go sit in another city. And at least I had my brother close by and things like that. So, and this is a very active city. So like going on hikes and skiing like was helpful with COVID. But yeah, I'm not thrilled with my life, but I'm happy with myself for maybe the first time. And I I realized that truly like New Year's and my birthday are within a month of each other. And every year, like I start the year, my New Year's is really like on my birthday because New Year's comes and then I give myself a month to decide what I want like for the coming year. And then by then it's my birthday and I really like reflect. And this year I remember saying to myself, like I'm proud of myself and I'm happy for me, but I need to fill my life with things that are going to continue to drive me and make me happy because just being with happy with myself and being so alone is going to catch up with me again and I don't want that to happen so yeah that's my I'll be your friend I'm in the same boat as you (laughs) thank you thank you thank you I'm literally in the same boat as you like I didn't make the best of friend choices for the past years I didn't make the best of relationship choices yeah and now I'm at the point where I have like maybe two friends like two real real friends yeah but they don't even live in the same city so it's like okay, great. Like I can call you, but then we each have our own lives Mm -hmm. and it's like, yeah, okay, well, when are we going to see each other? And then now with Clubhouse, I'm meeting all these amazing people, but at the same time, it's like, well, yeah, but you don't live in the same place. You're like, well, yeah, but like, will this turn into something? So I will hundred percent be your friend. We'll definitely have lots of chats. (laughs) We can have coffee time. I think we have a lot of things in common. I haven't gone through, you know, all the ordeals that you have, but I can definitely relate to mindset stuff and all of the problems that you're having now because literally same totally so <laughs> we'll definitely take this friendship offline as well don't worry awesome. we'll like I'll, I'll literally message you about Yay. it I've really truly 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 enjoyed this conversation and honestly you're my hero like you have gone through so many things like I don't even know if I would have been able to stand up and just be like wow I've done all of this so you're doing amazing Thank I cannot you. wait to listen to all of your podcast episodes I'm going to leave you a review and you're definitely <laughs> working coming on back it. on working my show. On it. It's slow moving, but I'm working on it. <laughs> it's okay. As long as you're doing it, yeah. it's fine. Yeah. You can go slow pace. You can go turtle pace. Like the turtle always wins the race, right? Yeah. So yeah. You're, you're good. <laughs> I want to move on to the quick rapid fire round of questions okay. before we end this episode. Cool. So are you ready? Yes. Okay. If you could have anyone over for dinner, dead or alive or a character, who would it be? My mom. Because it's been like so long since like I was so young when I lost her. So it's just like I I saw this meme the other day that was like, I want to have lunch with my teenage mom. And it's just like you wonder like what your parents were like when they were your age. And like I look at my dad now. He's exactly 30 years older than me. And I just think I'm like, geez, like when he was 30, like he had me. And I'm like, we have like 5 billion siblings, like between step siblings and everything. So it's like of all these kids he had, like when he was 30, when he was like my age, he had a two-year-old and I was the two-year-old. So like you think about that like with your parents, but I think about that like with my mom and I just like 
just getting to know her now as like an adult, I feel like would be really interesting. It's so touching. Oh my God, you're going to make me cry. Seriously. Oh, I'm sorry. No, that's so sweet. Okay. Are you more of a books or a magazine type of person? Books for sure. Especially with COVID. Like I stopped watching Netflix because I was just over like sitting in front of the TV. It was like, I need to start reading more. Like, come on. So books for sure. Magazines I when I was younger, I loved taking all those quizzes and flipping through and cutting stuff out. But now I'm I'm much more of a books person. Okay. What's your favorite book? Oh, no. <laughs> be very random like you don't have to come up with anything like marketing or business related. I love poetry I do really love poetry Amanda Lovelace is really great she has this one right now it's called like a princess and her crown I think but Amanda Lovelace is her name and the poems tell a story so as you read through it unfolds as a story so it's not just random poetry but I like her and I like RN RN Sin I believe it's like S-I-N-H um, I don't know how to pronounce it. I hope I'm not like offending anybody, but they they have like a series of poetry as well. And it's the same thing. Like they each tell a story. And so then it's like volume one, volume two. And then when you get to volume two, it's like a different kind of perspective. So like one's from the female, one's from the male. So I've been really into poetry lately. Ooh, yeah. okay. I'm going to have to go check those books out because I have not seen them. So I will 100% check those out. Oh, also, Fear is My Homeboy. That's a really good book. You should read that. Oh, I have also not heard it's of that a great one. book definitely... if you're like trying to just like kick ass at life. Just do Fear is My Homeboy. And it's like hot I pink. Mean, it's a really cool looking book too. <laughs> I literally just wrote it down. So I'm 100% getting it yeah. on Amazon. Yeah. If you could choose one superpower to have, which one would you pick? Probably to be invisible because then I could like sit in on things that I wish I could experience or that like I really knew. Like there's so many times gosh, this is going to make me sound like a crazy stalker, but there's so many times like with men or like even my girlfriends or I'm like, I just wish I freaking understood like where they were really coming from. And when you're with that person, you have like an emotional relationship. You can't always express that, you know? And so if you see them like in their private space or like at home, like you might understand them better. And like, same goes vice versa for me. Like I think that a lot I've I've learned how to be like really tough, but I think if people really saw me in my own space, they'd see how like soft and emotional I can really be. And like I cry at car commercials and like stupid stuff like that. So I think being invisible, like sitting in on conversations like that, or being a part of like an event that you know, like I imagine what what was it like to be in the Capitol that day in January or, you know, World Trade Center, just like things like that where like you really could never imagine yourself being there. I think being invisible and like having that power to be there and experiencing it so you could really like feel it is a different thing. That is 100% true. Okay. Dream destination. I mean, Europe, <laughs> but like specifically... I don't know. I mean, London's on my list. Paris is definitely on my list. My grandmother studied piano in Paris, and I guess the music school is like still there. So I'd love to go there. Italy is where my family is from. Greece, of course, but Europe is like top of my list. So yeah. I love that. Okay. Two last ones. One, what word would you describe yourself with? Oh my God. Resilient. (laughs) Because I think I could have like really 
I've had my broken moments, but I don't think I ever truly like fell apart. And mm-hmm. I'm somehow I like we've said this three times now. I really don't know how I got through some of the things that I did. I have no idea. And so, yeah, resilient. <laughs> I love that. That's a great one to fit you. And last one, who inspires you? Oh my God, I don't know. That's a hard one. I don't, maybe myself. Like, I don't know if that sounds like narcissistic. No, <laughs> but I like love when that. I, when I, I've really gotten into doing affirmations in the morning and like I have a mirror in my bathroom where I have a lot of sticky notes and things people have left me from therapy or whatever. And I have them on my mirror and I read them every day and I look at myself every day and I like, I've learned the number one thing that's that has gotten me through a lot of this is to actually believe in myself. And so if I don't believe in myself, then what am I doing anything for? You know, so I inspire myself because I'm the one that like an inspiration is something that's kind of your force behind you. Right. I guess. So yeah, maybe myself, my little brother is my whole world. So I don't know, maybe him too. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's so cute. <laughs> Mia, you are uh, literally a gift to this world. Thank you so much for your time and for coming on here and sharing yeah. your story and being so vulnerable and also for accepting, even though I've kind of like basically forced you into doing <laughs> another interview. No, no, no. For I accepting totally to come on another I interview. totally will. Thank you so much. It has been amazing and wow, just I'm going to definitely go listen to this uh, once it's out and just during the time so I can get motivated and do stuff like that. And I hope if you're listening, you know, you find some solace and motivation in what Mia has told about her story and everything that she's gone through. And I will definitely add in the description, you know, links to reach you, links to work with you or to just chat with you. And so you can, you know, check out her podcast as well, which is amazing. And with that being said, if you want to check out, you know, stuff that's happening, if you want to go talk to me, feel free to reach out on Instagram. It's at that girl, Sabrina for my personal business one, or at pretty sure podcast for my podcast one. And I will see you guys next week. So peace out everybody. And Mia, thank you so much for coming on the show. Bye.